The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Minoj, are you ready? Yeah. Orange County, it's time. Do you know what it's time for, Minoj? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's time for... Right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your host, Cameron Jackson. I am your truth detector. I am the one who is here telling you what really happens in Orange County. I hope you have your lattes and you're driving your SUVs because both are very expensive and very Orange County. And our heart goes out to you, Vonda Simon. You poor thing. Your $500,000 worth of articles and jewelry left overnight in your brand new Bentley out there in the beautiful shores of Newport Beach. All of your stuff. Stolen, your six-carat diamond ring. Our hearts go out to you, Vonda. We wish we could be just like you. Oh, Manoj, Manoj, everybody. Welcome back. My old co- uh, guest co-host, Manoj. Mahendrakar. The prodigal has returned. Good morning, yes. Orange County. I hope all is well. Yes. It is good to be back in the uh, in the stuffy confines of the KUCI studio. Brings oh, back memories. Oh, oh, this is the glorious, the glorious KUCI studios. <laughs> oh, I use stuffy with only the most <laughs> warm memories. Yes. So, uh, Manoj was my guest co-host back in the old uh, OC Variety Hour days. Yeah. Back in 2004-2005. And back in 04, we had the last election. Right. Was it 04, the last election? Last general election. Yes, yeah. last general election. And back then, we went over all the propositions, and we had an election special show. And this week, yes, once again, we are having the 2008 general election, proposition, special election, whatever you want to call it, show. Who would have thought four years later would be up to the same antics. Yes, same, same exact Four antics. Years. And Four I years. love to have Manoj uh, on board because Manoj is uh, very well-versed in uh, politics. He does work for uh, political hacks here and there, public servants. Um, I know he won't say anything bad about them, <laughs> but I will because they are all uh, hacks in some way, shape, or form. That doesn't reflect on anything that Manoj thinks. So we'll just give that disclaimer for Manoj. I'm not a hack in trading, right? No, that's right. No, I hope not. <laughs> no. Uh, and, um, but Manoj is uh, very on top of these kinds of issues and uh, he's a lot of fun to have here in the studio so please welcome back good old Manoj Mahendrakar so oh I'm excited I love this show I love this thank show you. thank you and then particularly 
today's show. Yes. The voter guide. The voter guide. And we are going over all of the propositions here in California for you. And also, if we have time, we will go over a couple of local propositions. And without further ado, let's get into it. Let's go right to Proposition 1, Manoj. Oh, I wish you had a nice little gunshot sound effect for... The start. For the start. Yes. <laughs> now, Prop 1, Manoj. I, uh, this is the high-speed rail bonds. Manoj, what's this one all about? Well, now, for I, I, and I wish I knew, but now it's being called Prop 1A because you got a supplemental. Yes, that's correct. So You're it's right. called Prop 1A. But this is all about spending uh, <laughs> billions of dollars on a high-speed rail. $19.4 billion. Exactly. And uh, so this is to fund a theoretical high-speed rail uh, or high-speed train from here in Southern California. They're saying it would start in San Diego, stop off in uh, Anaheim, Santa Ana-type area, probably by the airport, and then zoom on its way through the Inland Empire right up to San... Or the, I think it stop in L.A. theoretically, and then up to San Francisco in all but, uh, you know, two hours or so. Great concept, great theory. It works in China where the government completely funded it and the people have no say. Uh, there's some things like that in Europe. Beautiful concept. However, it is far from fruition. And as we all know, um, oftentimes with these things, you spend a lot of money and you don't get anything from it. And well, that's probably... Uh, and I think the key point in this one is they are saying $19.4 billion over 30 years, which it gets paid from the general fund. So right. that, that's uh, taxpayer money. Right, exactly. And, and we always have to double the figure of these projects. Oh, absolutely. So we're looking at really $40 billion, probably more. More than, most likely more, because everything, just material alone and all that goes up from the time that you, you know, from the time they even publish this. It's costing more. That's so exactly right. As, as soon as the ink hits the paper, it's costing more. Uh, if we're taking them at face value, it's going to cost taxpayers $647 million per year. Uh, and let me tell you that we had last year uh, about a 14 to $15 billion deficit. So I'd like to know where that $647 well, and, million and, and, dollars are going to come from. And, and not only that, Manoj, we know that that figure is really going to be $1.2 billion oh, Easily. Easily. Yeah. So and, and this... The bottom line on this, I think we're both in agreement. Prop one, no. It's no. a great idea. And the other thing that we were talking about real briefly before we came in here is, here's how you know that it's not ready. If nobody from the private sector wants to get involved, thank you very much. Yeah, and I, you're so very right. And it's just simply too far away. It's it's still just a, a theory. There's still you know this 19 billion that you would have to spend would just get spent on more uh, focus groups and more research and more this and that and trying to get more cities and counties on board and guess what in another four years you're going to ask for another you know 19 billion and the so, argument sounds then like is, the great park here yeah. in Irvine oh you're very close <laughs> and by that time they use that great argument that well we, we've already spent 40 billion of your money don't you want something for it so and at the end of it it's going to be like some 300 billion you know it's going to be like that big dig in Boston where you just keep spending and spending, spending and spending yeah, and then one day billion dollars later you might have a you know a fast train ride from here to Oxnard, but who the hell wants to go to Oxnard? That's days? right. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. All right. Now let's get on to Proposition Two. This one has got a lot of. This one has gotten some heat from people. It's the standards for confining farm animals. <laughs> yes. And on this one, they want to basically require that certain farm animals be allowed uh, the majority of every day everyday Minoj, to fully extend their limbs or wings, lie down, stand up, and turn around. Sounds like they want little uh, condos for each <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it playing a little Kenny G and all the cells, because everyone knows you lay better eggs when you have music playing in the yes, key Yes, that's G. right, when Kenny G is playing. Um, this one, you know, basically this is the environmentalists 
and the PETA people, PETA, PETA people uh, right. feeling bad about our animals that are in confinement that are essentially going to be slaughtered for food. Right. And you know what? Um, you know, I don't. I don't believe anything should be mistreated, or you know, even if you're going to eat right. it, so be. Right. I mean, right. that's kind of a you know a gauge of a civilized society. However, however, uh, there's also a practical side to this, and uh, you know, the the con side to this. Uh, I think rightfully describes that. Uh, business is smart. If you make it hard for them in one place, but it's not harder anywhere else, guess what? They just go somewhere else. And it rightfully states that, uh, you know, <laughs> there's less taxes and it's cheaper to do things in Nevada and Arizona anyways. So guess what? All the chicken farms and all that stuff, you just move out there because all you need is space. And, uh, you know, and if, there's tons of it in Nevada. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You don't have to go state line. And the, I mean, really, the conditions are no different between California and our arid desert land and Nevada and its arid desert yeah, land. Yeah, in uh, all reality, California already has animal cruelty laws on the books. And, you know, I, I would probably agree that it's uh, not the best thing in the world to be a chicken that's going to be uh, chopped up for nuggets. But uh, I think that there's not uh, undue cruelty to them. And in all reality, uh, this would not affect them in any way, shape, or form. Because as soon as it went into effect, you'd start seeing these uh, farms just kind of shipping out of California. That's and exactly right. That's all it does. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at the uh, pro and cons, and everybody should have gotten this California general election flyer in the mail. And I do urge everybody to look through it because it doesn't take long to read through at least no. the pros and the cons uh you know the pros are saying that it's going to help uh uh safeguard air and water um and uh improve health and food safety and i think the rebuttals to that are very very uh clear-cut and and organized in that they say no you, you know you let them out and the possibility of them getting like avian flu by being outside of their cages right. from other animals goes right. up west nile west nile things like that so and you know that uh, sorry to cut that's yeah. all fluff i mean all it comes down to is you know animal rights people PETA, yes. not liking to see you know first of all they don't even want you to eat animals so this if it's up to them <laughs> you know right. the, step 1 get them out of the cage step 2 teach them to fly and get the hell out of here you know that's so that's right. kind of their argument right. the other argument really practical is even if you care about the animals we'll get Guess what? This is just going to happen in another state, and you know it, people are going to keep well, eating what they want to eat. Todd McClintock said it best: "Food is food." Yeah. You know, let, I mean, come on. We we all want a good, nice chicken. We all want a nice uh, cow, a little veal every now and yeah. then. <laughs> you know, <laughs> little baby cow is good for all of us at one time. Yeah, so. I don't like chewing that much sometimes. Yeah, I know. It's just nice when it slides right in. I like my steak through a straw sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to lose jobs with this, and ultimately the price of eggs are going to go up. Right. Chicken, it, all that stuff. It all goes up. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also the potential that it could come from Mexico. And I don't know about you, Minoj, but with all the lead that they put in their candy down there, I just prefer not to have anything from Mexico. Huevos. <laughs> yeah, huevos. You don't want your huevos? Huevos. All right, uh, let's move on then. We're doing well. Yeah. We're ahead of the game. Ah, prop three. <laughs> what is prop three, Minoj? Oh, prop three. Prop 3 is that sad commercial with sick children walking on the, you know, on the side of the road or a wheelchair, and then they show that they're all happy and better after going to the children's hospital. Granted, children's hospital, great. Sick kids, not good. But guess what, guys? Don't be so... Don't have such short-term memory. Four years ago, we had the same exact proposition. And let me tell you, uh, I work for the state. I work for the state senate, and I see the budgets. We have no money in the state. You guys all remember that, right? Everyone was whining and complaining that everything's getting cut. Teachers can't get hired. Uh, there's no room for, you know, uh, Medi-Cal, Medicare. Well, guess what? We still can't afford that. And it doesn't help when the voters place 
these kind of outside initiatives and you know ram it down the throats of the legislature and say, oh, guess what? You have no money, but we have to spend uh, what is this? Nine point eight billion dollars. Is on it nine, no, nine hundred eighty million. Oh, nine hundred. Yeah, okay. Nine point eight billion. They <laughs> love that. Yeah. Well, I think here's the other thing. It, it's going to add to the general fund. It's going to add to our taxes. Right. Uh, and the the bottom line is this: children's hospitals are private entities. Right. But if it's a private entity, we do not need to subsidize it with government dollars. Right. Let them go out to their donors. Let them do the things that they need to do to get that money themselves. Right. If they, uh, the bottom line is they should be doing this on their own. Taxpayers should not be subsidizing the children's hospital. And more importantly, half of the amount, half of the amount that was approved from the last uh, initiative from 2004 is still not even spent. So get this, guys. We're, they're asking for another $980 million dollars. Right. On top of what they got last. So did it pass last time? Last time it passed. Uh. So mind you, this is a duplicate. They're assuming that you guys have forgotten and they can just pull this over your eyes again. Now, once again, we spent a ton of money, millions, millions and millions of dollars four years ago. That They haven't even spent all of it. The children's hospitals and all that stuff, they haven't even spent what was given to them four years ago. And they're already trying to put another multi-million dollar one on the ballot for this year. And granted, we all want everything to be purposed in this world. But guess what? We just do not have the money. Yeah, we can't afford it. So that's a no for both Minoj and Cameron on Prop 3. And if I didn't say so on the last one, Prop 2, a no for Minoj and Cameron on Prop 2. Yeah. If you're just now joining us, this is the OC Show on uh, KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Cameron Jackson. Today, my guest co-host, Minoj Mahindrakar. We're going over the propositions. So... Uh, Hey, hey. Yeah. also, too, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but if you're in your car now and you get to your office and you still want to keep listening, you can go to kci.org org, yeah. and uh, click in the upper right-hand corner, get streaming audio, streaming video. You can also go to my website, theocshow.net. Check out uh, upcoming shows. I will also po- our, post our voter guide on here after the show today. Great. And I'll have a podcast of this show. And if you want to email me during the show, you can do so, Cameron, at theocshow.net. So it's almost impossible not to get a hold of you. Not, it is. <laughs> Except you can't call in right now because we don't have a screener. I know people want us to get call-ins. I'll work on that. I trust me. I promise. Anyway, Prop 4 now. This one is, this Prop 4 and Prop 8 are the two lightning rods in this current uh, general election this year. Right. Uh, prop 4 is the waiting period and parental notification before termination of a minor's pregnancy. This is what I call my daughter is a slut uh, <laughs> proposition. <laughs> my daughter's a slut and I know it proposition. And the reason I say that, Manoj, here's basically in a nutshell what they want. They want uh, people to, they want minors to have to get, uh, to give parental notification 48 hours before they do an abortion. Right. That's what it boils down to. Right. And this, while I understand some of the reasoning behind this, this proposition, the way it's written now, stinks to high heaven. Okay. I, I don't like this one. Okay. And let me go over a couple reasons why. First, it puts too much burden on doctors. Mm-hmm. To, to, it gives the burden to the doctor to have to report. Okay. And I think that goes down the slippery slope of cl- uh, client doc, cl- doctor-patient confidentiality. Okay. That's something that I think is sacred that we need to, to, to hold on to. Okay, well, now... Wait, hold on, right. hold on. The second thing that I don't like about this is it's essentially trying to undermine Roe v. Wade. That's what this is trying to do, is trying to erode Roe v. Wade. And we already have federal law on this. Let's stick to the federal law. Okay. Minosh. Now, Cameron's a parent. He has two children. Yes. Can, uh, I'll, get, I'll get to the minor. Can, my, my daughter is a slut thing in a second, no, too. No. Now, can, can your son walk to the pediatrician and get a flu shot by himself? Absolutely not. Why but not? he's four years old. Right. Okay, if he was 10. 
could he do? No, he if cannot. he was if he was seventeen, could he go by himself? Well, see now there's a difference. He can't, but I think by seventeen he can make the decision whether or not he should get that flu flu shot or not. Right, but he couldn't go by himself and do it. That's this right. is for a flu shot, something as benign as a flu shot. Right, and you, and, and minors need yes, their parents' uh, notification. They can't go get a prescription. They can't even go to the doctor, and you know get checked out for a cold without parent notification. So all of this, you know, uh, political BS aside, all of that aside, it makes no sense to me. Is it not a medical procedure? Yes. I don't understand why this surgery, that's what an abortion is, is exempt from parental notification. You can't get a pimple popped by a dermatologist without having your parents' consent. I think what makes this different is the fact that it's dealing with uh, a human life within another human. It, essentially, it's it's the old abortion issue. I mean, right. that's what it centers. That's around. what they want you to think it is. That it's different to me. It, it, medically, medically, you can't get anything done without. It's just absurd to me that a fairly um, moderate surgery can be performed on a minor without the parents' notification. When you can't go get a band aid from the doctor without well, see, but, parents but, knowing. But see, I don't know. Is that true though? Like, let's say a 15 year old walked into the hospital. And wanted to get uh, and and had to get some kind of like a breast augmentation for for instance. Can't do it. You, you, they they have to Absolutely have a parent. Absolutely cannot do it. You the only time it would be able to I happen. I guess that's right. So they do have a parental notification. Yeah, form, you don't you they? have to. I mean, you well, have, I still say it's, they're minors. They're not under under law. Minors aren't in charge of their own bodies. Well, I, I guess the, the the question is: Are we pro-choice or are we pro-life on this one? I'm just I'm not even going there. You, you, know, you don't even want to go down. I'm that just path, sticking huh? to the whole everything else in medicine. You can't get a tattoo until you're 18 without parental consent. You can't get an ear piercing, you know, and it's all because of the like, same thing. You know, Minoj, I like that argument. You know, I, I I wasn't really sold on this one until I got that argument from you about yeah. the medical procedure. And uh, you know, my wife touched on that a little bit, but we didn't really get into depth on it. Uh, I like that argument, but I still think it's tr- it ultimately is trying to undermine Roe v. Wade, and I don't like it that it's undermining uh, patient-doctor confidentiality. I get what you're saying. Minors are unlike if you once you're 18, you don't need to tell your parents anything. Right. But under that, it's you're a child. You do not nowhere else in this country, nowhere else in common law, does a minor have you know. Uh, they don't have ownership of I don't want to say ownership, but they you have to get guardian or parent you know right, all I can right. say is you can't get a flu shot without your parents right, signing right, something right. I, I, I like that I still am going to say no for myself on this because I think it's fundamentally flawed. I don't like the fact that the doctors the onus is put on the doctors too much to report on this and I uh, um, and also too oh, the, the reason I call it my daughter's a slut law <laughs> if the parents are willing to put a note on file with the doctors at any age saying it's okay for my daughter to get a, uh, an abortion. <laughs> then, <laughs> so essentially my daughter, my daughter, she's uh, one and a half it's now. It's a waiver. I'm, put, I'm telling her doctor now it's okay. If she wants to get an abortion later on in life, it's fine with me. <laughs> she's a slut. I know she's a slut already. So, um, well, and, that's, that's a waiver. That's okay. You can file one of those you with your file. doctor. Well, and the other, it gets the courts involved too. And right. I, you know, I mean the kind of the, the, the 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 funny part of this is if you get the courts involved, hell, the baby will be born by then. Right. Was... So it looks like that's a that's a no from Cameron. And a it's yes. a yes for me because right. to me it just seems like I, I'm I'm not even thinking about what the procedure is. All I see it's a medical procedure, 
and every other one you have to have parental notification or consent. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that argument. Yeah. Uh, not enough to sway me, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Minaj, what's Prop 5? Prop 5, Nonviolent Drug Offenses, Sentencing, Parole, and Rehabilitation, the initiative statute. Basically, from what I understand of this, is uh, this is just one of one. Uh, you know, this namsy-pamsy, uh, drug-loving, uh, my brother got caught up in dealing, but he wasn't using, please let him out early type of deals. See, now I'm completely opposite on you on this one. This is a good one. Then. Uh, basically, we have Prop 36 and Prop 1000 now. Okay. And Prop 36 basically says if you have a nonviolent drug offense, you should be able to go to um, rehabilitation first, uh-huh. right? And then we'll And then try to get you through that way, which I'm in favor of. Here's what happened, though. Okay. Here's what happened, and this is why Prop 5 is on, is on, the, measure, on the ballot this time. The DA's office around the state were saying, oh, all right, well, we'll just add a little crime there. So basically it was saying if you had, I, I should back up, if you only had a drug offense right. and that was it, right. then you could qualify for Prop 36. Oh, okay. So what they would do is they would add a charge on, oh, he lied to the police officer, oh, he gave a false ID. Just, yeah, just like some that. BS little charge <laughs> on there so that people couldn't do Prop 36. This tries to close the loophole up on it and basically say, look, if it's, it, even if they have another charge along with the drug offense, as long as it's nonviolent, they should be able to go and get the rehabilitation. Personally, our our prisons are overcrowded. Our jails are overcrowded. Majority of these offenses that we see in there are drug-related offenses. I'm in favor of letting these people get some rehabilitation. All right. Well, you know, I, I you brought some new insight into that for me. I just, in my experience with these types of bills, you just get these uh, same group that are saying, "Oh, rehabilitate them, rehabilitate them," and I do understand that, but. There's a large portion that just love that rehabilitation thing where they say, hey, I can keep slinging, I can keep dealing as long as I don't punch anyone or shoot anyone. I just go to this nice little program where, uh, you know, they, they tell me that, um, you know, what I'm doing is wrong. And guess what? I'm back out in the street in three, uh, you know, three months. And don't worry, I'll be back on the block and uh, be ready to make a dollar. So um, call that the, the cynic in me. Looks like roles have reversed here four years later. That's but, right. Uh, that's um, right. I must be more liberal now. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps so. But that's the way I see it. And uh, I, I, I I would say uh, I would say no on Prop Five. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, yes on Prop Five. And the other the other thing to follow up with that is the reason being is these drugs they are one of the primary reasons why people get into trouble. Right. Like for instance, I never went to a domestic violence incident as a police officer mm-hmm. where somebody wasn't under the influence of something. Something. Yeah. Something. And most of these crimes that occur on the streets they're under the influence of something. It is a systemic problem in our society now, and we do need to start making some inroads into fixing that problem so that we can correct these people's behavior. Absolutely. So, there we Absolutely. go. Um, prop 6 now. Uh, now, you're going to find this one weird for me as well, Manoj. Uh-huh. Prop 6 is police and law enforcement funding criminal penalties and laws. It's an initiative. Right. It basically uh, requires a minimum of $965 million of state funding each year for police and local law enforcement. It's going to give approximately 30 revisions to California criminal law, and uh, essentially it's making us pay more money for cops. Right. Uh, you're going to be surprised on this? I'm going to say no. I, I'm, I'm not surprised because you are a fiscal conservative, my friend. And um, <laughs> once again, once again, just from my experience, the state has no money. And not that we shouldn't be funding. I mean, g- g- believe me, guys. Believe me. Cops get funded. That's the first yes, thing. That's right. A cop firefighters, and then teachers. They get 
funded. Who else wins above them? Who else can trump them in public opinion? So trust me, they're already at the top of the list. You don't need something on the books that says they're guaranteed this amount. It doesn't make sense to make funding inflexible. You're at home. You have a budget. You hate it when there's that one, you know, there's more things. There's bills that you have to pay in your budget that you can't go around, right? Right. You need flexibility. There's times like this year when things go to crap and you have to be flexible. And that's that's a good point that you make up. We need the flexibility and it's these prior propositions that we've enacted over the previous years that are locking us in and killing us it's a thorn in the budget side when you're sitting there and i'm sorry to say it but some uninformed voters just threw it up there thinking that there's free money in the world and you're trying to balance this budget over 50 percent already has to go to education and then you're looking at these little you know basically thorns that you're like oh wait sorry guys we have to uh, another 637 million for high-speed rail because uh, uh the voters back in 2008 approved it and you just can't get around it and so right. at one point in time you almost have no ability to make budgets they're made for you by informed voters and the other thing that this does that i totally disagree with is it basically is going to change laws it's, oh, yeah. it's basically giving us the citizens the ability to change laws that are on the books increase them decrease them whatever it might be especially when it comes to gangs one hey we need this not that i trust lawmakers <laughs> no. up in, in uh, sacramento that much but i trust them more than i do the masses well, by, by the very nature of it's just you know, fewer boneheads making the decision. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little safer. Exactly. So I think uh, uh, we must be in agreement on this one. It's a no on Prop 6. No for, on Prop 6. No on Prop 6. So let's do this. Let's take, we're halfway through these. We're doing really good on time. Let's take a quick break, Minoj. We'll gather our thoughts. All right. And we will come back. You're listening to the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Cameron Jackson. Let's have a quick break, and we will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is The OC Show. And I am Cameron Jackson. Welcome back, everybody. It is a great day here in Orange County, baby. And I am your Superman. Yes, I am the one who is telling you what really goes on here in Orange County. Kicking ass and taking names later all the way around. And today's show is an awesome show. I've got Manoj Mahindrakar back in studio. He's my old guest co-host from the old OC Variety Hour days. Yeah. Manoj, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, feeling good. We're burning through these propositions. Burning through the propositions. Today we have our 2008 election special. We are going over all of the propositions. We've been through one through um, one through six already. And real quick, uh, Prop 1, we voted no on. Prop 2, no on. Prop 3, no on. Prop 4, I said no. Manoj says yes. Prop 5, uh, I say uh, yes. Manoj says no. And Prop 6, we both say no. I will put a uh, listing of how we vote on this on our uh, on my website, theocshow.net, at Great. the end of the show. Great. Uh, let's keep going, Manoj. Let's this is roll. good. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Prop 7. Prop 7, ah, the renewable energy generation. Ah, nice and green when we start making electricity through photosynthesis. And everything's green and our skin's green and our hair is green and green, 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 green. All right. Basically, this is another one of those things. Cameron and I basically believe that. 
more regulation on government, on what we do, not even on government, just on our lives, generally doesn't do a whole lot of good for us. And in this case, this is what it is. It's basically a, uh, a proposition, a law that's going to require government-owned utilities. Now, that's the key of this, government-owned utilities, which uh, make up about 20% of electricity in California, uh, or maybe even less than that, but um, for them to generate 20% of their energy by renewable sources by 2010, and then it bumps up to 40 by tw- 2020 and 50% by 2025. Uh, it's going to cost the taxpayers about, they say, $3.4 million annually. Uh, that's probably going to mean more like, you know, usually a good measure is well, double or triple that. Well, and not only that, it's going to cost more to get your utilities. Yeah. Because whenever you force a utility company to go out and try to, buy, to create new sources of their energy... Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to cost more. Right. They've got R&D that they have to do. They have to set up new networks. They have to set up uh, new generation stations. That costs money, folks. It's not free. Right. And, uh, and, and as it's written uh, in the arguments, the way this particular uh, bill is written or this proposition is written is actually going to amount to less renewable power and higher electric rates. So it's almost counterintuitive. And that's the thing, guys. Sometimes on the the tagline, the slogan of this sounds great, but you really have to read the bills. And in this one, the way it's worded and what it's going to happen in reality, what's going to happen off of the commercials and off of the you know shiny bumper stickers, is this is going to be counterintuitive to its purpose. There's going to be less green energy coming out of this. Now, granted, there's already laws in place that p- private utilities have to turn green by, you know, 220. And there's, uh, sorry, I should be more informed on this, but it's an AB bill, and the Schwarzenegger goes all up and down the coast, you know, uh, being proud about how California's going to go green in 15 years with, you know, incremental uh, raises from here till now. But bottom line is, uh, I got to say no on this because it's going to cost money for the taxpayers. It doesn't make sense to force things upon the government utilities. And, for nothing else, it's actually going to be counterintuitive, and actually you're going to get less renewable energy if this bill passes. I think the big the big part for me is whenever you force a utility to do something like this, you mandate a percentage of, that they have to go by. And, you know, really when you think about it, 40% and then 50%, that's huge. Right. This is a market issue. Let's let the market take care of this. Let's let's keep energy prices low. They're already high enough as it is right. when it comes to going to the gas pump and whatnot. Let's keep our other energy prices as low as possible. And plus, they make a ton of money here. They they have oh, a yeah. tiered system. Right. Uh, they don't need. Uh, we don't need any higher rates. Right. And. All you guys need, uh, you, all we need to say is the big scary word right now is economy. You know, <laughs> last right. thing we need right now are more measures in place that make it harder to get this thing up and running and going again. You don't need to raise people's energy rates at this point in time. That's right. Absolutely. Now, let's move on to Prop 8. This, uh, this is the, big, this is the <laughs> lightning rod. This the juicy the, one. Ah, everybody's all over this. I love it. Once again, the state is showing that it truly is a conservative state, even though even though it votes Democratic and it's as liberal as hell and everything else. And right. the reason is the last time we had this, and Prop 8 is the gay marriage, basically. Right. It wants to make a constitutional amendment that says that marriage is between a man and a woman only. Right. And boy, the scare tactics on this one have just oh, they're it's gonna, dripping. If, if, if we're all going to be gay soon, yeah, we're Cameron. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, if gay people get married, they're going to have gay babies, and gay then baby. the whole world's going to be gay. And, and not only that, but they're going to teach about gay marriage yeah. in school. <laughs> Your kids are going to be exposed to it on every facet of yeah. their uh, social uh, propaganda. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. 
you know, Massachusetts has had gay marriage on uh, the books now for about three years. And that's why they're all gay, right? Exactly, okay. all of them. And yeah. here's the telling thing that you found in Massachusetts. And I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but here it is roughly. The first year, 10,000 people were married. The second year, it was like 1,200, mm-hmm. 1,200. This year, and the year is almost over, they're looking at between six and 800 people. All right, the couples. Right. So essentially, what it tells me is two things. One, we give way too much attention to gay people. Right. I mean, they are such a, just a minutia of the population. Come on, folks. We would not be increasing our population they're, if that many people were gay. They were, they're almost rivaling the unproportional amount of influence that Jewish people have in this country. Uh, or, or Hispanics, in Hispa- my opinion. You know, and no, Hispanics are actually a large portion of the population, whereas I'm always shocked. We're getting completely off topic yeah, here. Yeah, but they're 8%. They only uh, v- account the, for 8% of the voters. I see. Okay. I see. Of the voters, but yes. yeah, of the population. Right, but right, right, right. anyways, that was neither here nor there. Yes. And we love Jewish people. Yes. But uh, my... <laughs> my <laughs> we, <do. laughs> we We really do. Uh, this always... Um, I have such a... I, once again, I, I don't see eye to eye with this. Uh, marriage, to me, is a religious institution. I think marriage is, uh, if you believe it's between a man and a woman, I, I, I particularly... Excuse me. I particularly do. I believe, it's, and because I'm, a, you know, I'm a religious person. I'm a person of faith, and it is between a man and a woman. However, however, I don't look to the state, the government, to define anything for me, let alone my religious beliefs. And it just is so confounding, so arbitrary, and so, so weak that uh, the religious community would rely upon the government of all places to define what they believe is marriage. Uh, in my personal opinion, I'm a libertarian. I don't think the government should be in the business of handing out a marriage certificate, a marriage license to anybody, uh, any more so than they should be giving out a, uh, you know, a baptism certificate or a bar mitzvah certificate. Uh, the government should not be recognizing a religious institution. All the government is concerned about is the legal status of its residents or its citizens, which would what it ultimately boils down to is a domestic partnership. Now, in my ideal world, all the government gives to anybody is a you know domestic partnership certificate stating, oh, for the purpose of taxes, for the purpose of laws, for the purpose of you know inheritance and stuff like that, the state is recognizing a legal union between two people. And whoever needs to be married, guess what? You got to go to your synagogue, you got to go to your mosque, you got to go to your temple, you got to go to your church and have your respective, you know, religious, uh, you know, entities marry you because that's what marriage is. Well, and you know, the fear taxes they put in there is that churches might lose their uh, tax exempt <laughs> no. status if they don't marry gay people. No, and they I'm won't. like, that's insanity. That will never happen. You can't. You that doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Your right. religion is the religion is like a federally protected thing. I mean, right. you, it's a separation of church and state. You can. You're free to worship wherever you want, and the place of worship is free to do whatever they want. Exactly, and it makes no sense to me because I always ask this to um, you know to to friends of mine. They're like, oh, you know, and they're you know they're all for prop eight. It's like it's going to ruin marriage. It's like no. Are you that? Are you that um, unconfident in yourself? Are you well, that unconfident it, it, in your institution of marriage? Because guess what? It's up to us. It's not up to the government to enforce this. Well, I, I feel it's a cop out. And, and, and one of the things about religion that I think people forget is most religion teaches love. Right. Love is the primary uh, calling of religion. Well, if two gay people are in love, then they should be able to get married. Well, and here's the thing. I, and once again, I, I'll disagree with you because. It's up to them to find a religious private institution sure, who absolutely. will marry them. Now, from a legal standpoint, from a legal standpoint, guys, 
if the state allows, you know, a well, man and woman to get married, then they have to here's let... Here's the yeah. other point. Again, let's look at Massachusetts. Right. There's going to be a run on people who get gay, who get married who are gay, and then it's going to fall off. We've already be, had that run. We've had the 12,000, yeah, you know. You're right. And it's not... You're talking about such a minutia. I mean, just, there's not that many gay people in the world. Right. <laughs> there's, there's really not. And bottom line is, I, I just... Um, you know, I ask people who... Why do we give gay people so much time? I don't know. That well, is, why? I, it's it's, just because it's the same reason why we give abortion so much time, you know? It's like, how much of the world does abortion affect, you know? And it's just so weird to me that these uh, these issues that have such little to do in the everyday lives of the majority of Americans yes. make it to such... It's so high on the list. So once again, with this Prop 8 stuff, I, you know, I get the emotion. I get the rancor coming from all sides. The, all I see is government should not be in the business of recognizing marriage because by definition marriage is a religious institution it's not it's not what we all think it is when do you think you got married do you think you got married when the priest said you're now man and wife or when the fat elderly woman behind the counter at the county clerk gave you a piece of paper that said you know marriage right. license yeah, which one do point. you consider yeah. Yeah, you know that's a good point uh, no it's an excellent point Manoj and I think um, we both have a different view on this now because we're both married and right. maybe uh Maybe we had a different view on this uh, four, three or four years ago. So what do you got on Prop 8? Well, I say no, absolutely no. Vote no on that. Um, it, it doesn't need to be a constitutional amendment. People can. No means that pe- gay, period, gay people can get married, right. basically. I say no simply because I think that it's up to people and it's up to the churches to strengthen the institution of marriage on their own. I don't trust the state with anything. Right. And therefore, it just it's inconsequential. Well, yeah, no. and, and, and my no vote is basically if they're in love, let's let them. Who cares? Yeah, man, you're, I, such I, a, you're such a softie these I days. I am. I, you know, kids will do that to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've, we've, we're, we're done with the two lightning rods. Yeah, now, the now it's four and stuff. eight. So now let's go on to the rest of them. We're only on uh, four more. Why don't you you're, tell us about nine? I, I, yeah, I, I will. And if you're just joining us, uh, this is the OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson. I've got my guest co-host from the old OC Variety Hour days, Manoj Mahindrakar is in here. Yep. Uh, you can go to the website, KUCI.org, and click in the upper right-hand corner for streaming audio if you're heading uh, into your office or your house or wherever you might be going. And uh, you can always check my website out at theocshow.net. We are going over, this is our 2008 election special, and we're going over all the propositions here in California today, burning through them as fast as we possibly can. Let's go and recap them real quick, Minoj. All right. Uh, Prop 1, I said no. You said no. Prop 2, well, Prop 1 is the high-speed rail bonds. I said no. Minoj says no. Prop 2 is confining farm animals. We both said no on that. Prop 3, Children's Hospital Bond, both said no. Uh, Prop 4, I say no, Minoj. Yes. Yes, Prop 4 is the uh, waiting period and uh, parental notification for abortions. Uh, Prop 5 is the nonviolent drug offenses sentencing, and I said yes, Minoj. No. No. Uh, Prop 6 is law enforcement funding, I say no. No as well. No as well. Prop 7 was renewable energy generation, we both said no. Prop 8. We uh, both say no for different reasons, but no nonetheless. And now we are on Prop 9, which is criminal justice system, victims' rights, parole, initiative, constitutional amendment, and statute. Oh, my God. This is a no all the way around, and let me tell you why. It requires notification to victim, an opportunity for the victim 
to have input during phases of the criminal justice process, including bail, pleas, sentencing, and parole. Holy mackerel, what a show. It establishes victim safety as consideration for bail or, prof- or parole. Uh, basically, what you're talking about is letting the victims have even more say than they already have now. Trust me, there is nothing worse in a criminal case than a victim. The, they are the most whiny, uh, just... Oh, woe is me type people that you can come across. And Man, yes. this is a different Cameron Jackson. What happened to love isn't all around and <laughs> hug it out and all that stuff? Uh, victims are uh, just, you cannot let a victim who is running on emotion. Right. The victim is is running completely on emotion, whether they're a righteous victim or a non-righteous victim. And let me tell you, there are very few victims, real victims in this world, Minoj. Okay. Trust me on this. All right. <laughs> I, 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 what, about, what about the woman that uh, got stuff stolen out of her Bentley? Oh, Vonda. Vonda Simon, that poor Vonda Simon, uh, $500,000 worth of stuff out of her Bentley. It's in the OC register today. Who knows why they talk about that stuff? Slow news to Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, uh, victims run on emotion, and you hear you in this particular uh, prop, you want to give them a say in the bail, in the plea agreements, the sentencing and parole. You are going to tie down the, the criminal justice system. You're going to make the job for the district attorney's office Harder than it already is, mm-hmm. it, it would be out of control because we'd all be running on emotion. Right. Um, outside of all that, once again, it's going to cost the state millions. It's saying right here uh, under the budget or under the you know the, the bill summary. Uh, it seems like this is very redundant. It, you know, victims it, already have rights in the state. Mind you guys, we are such a progressive liberal state. Yes. We have a lot of this in place already. You know, yes. it's not like we're some barbarian state. Victims already get notified. So you're, you're hearing the commercials of like some poor lady that was going to the 7-Eleven and oh, there's, you know, the killer of her sister from 10 years ago and she didn't, she wasn't even told. It's like, you know what, lady? I, I feel bad for you, but we have a legal system. The guy paid his dues, and he's out. And he can go around this world, and he's not, you know, as long as he's not committing crimes, you might see him. And you don't get to get a, you know, BlackBerry buzz or a text saying, oh, guess what? You know, the bad guy from right. 20 years ago is close by. Right. Well, and I think that the the, the bottom line in this one is uh, victims are an emotional mess. They're an emotional mess for a reason. They're a victim for a reason. Typically, they are a victim for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I use myself as a case in point. When my house got burglarized, it was my fault. Well, I yeah. left the window open. They were able to see my safe in the window. You told me your address. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I put it out over the air. I actually told a lot of people. No, but still, I, I didn't have a burglar alarm. I didn't have, uh, you know, a good security um, defense around my house. And so... I was a victim for a reason. I don't right. take it personally. Well, and, and then also one last thing. Very interesting. This is yes. very interesting to me. If you look down on uh, the reference guide and the, uh, you know, in your, uh, your, uh, your voter information guide, here's the interesting thing. The, the information for the four part of this is Randall Communications. It, the, it's a firm. This is not even, I, I don't even think this is put up by any real entity. It's put up by Randall Communications. I always think that smells to, you know, high well, heck when the, the, you know, the group supporting it is just some, you know, random chop shop, right. you know, hack uh, consulting firm. Well, and it, it's the, the one more thing. This is even funny. It's yes on prop nine at gmail.com. It's like, oh, <laughs> man, um, like how legitimate is that? So Mr. They, don't even, they don't even have enough money for a website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I also like to look at who does their um, arguments for and against. Mm-hmm. And the arguments against come from a former warden at San Quentin prison. Yeah. All right. And then uh, the other uh 
the argument for or, or against it rather is from a uh, Justice Policy Institute and another former director of the California Department of Corrections. So uh, that's telling to me too. Right. Who's doing the for and against arguments? Absolutely. All right. Prop 10. Prop 10 has roots right here in Irvine, uh, Manoj. Did oh, you know that? I did not. No, this is the T. Boone Pickens proposition. <laughs> I've seen this commercial. Yes, T. Boone Pickens is a billionaire who wants to basically convert America to natural gas. And there's a reason why he wants to convert us to natural gas. Because he owns all of it. Yes, <laughs> T. Boone, with the name like T. Boone Pickens, I just imagine this guy sitting in Texas on a, you know, on a uh, on a big steer riding around. And with he a just, cigar. A cigar, big cigar and a big 10-gallon. 10-gallon hat. Yeah. Just yeah. say natural gas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and he's got one of those vests on with the tassels and stuff yeah. on it. You know what I'm talking and about? And a bolo tie. And a bolo tie. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, uh, T. Boone basically put this bill up. What they want to do is they want to uh, take $5 billion in bonds money, which basically comes from the general fund, uh, so we can double that to $10 billion, And they want to uh, use that to give people incentives to go to alternative fuel vehicles. But the caveat to this and the catch to this is guess who gets uh, first pick? T. Boone. <laughs> natural, <laughs> natural gas yeah. vehicles. Natural gas vehicles being garbage trucks. Right. Now, here's the Irvine connection. This is the old conspiracy theory stuff. Ooh, okay. And the majority of this came from Stephen Smith's website, IrvineTattler.com. Okay. Uh, and it's very well documented in there, so it's not really conspiracy theory stuff. It's actually right there. There are... Seven, six or seven major cities in California that are going to benefit from this. Each one of them, to start out, gets $25 million. Mm-hmm. All those cities are big cities. L.A., San Diego, San Jose, uh, you know, the big ones, Sacramento. Of all of them, they're all populations, 500,000 or more. Okay. There's one city that gets the $25 million that's 100000 or less. I don't, I don't think I can guess. You're going to tell me. It's Irvine. Oh. <laughs> and guess where we happen to have a $25 million shortfall? Ir- Irvine? The Great Park. Oh. And not only that, but guess who's contributing money to Larry Agron, Beth Crom, Suki Kang, and Todd Gallinger, Slate Mailer. Wow. Prop 10, baby. Look at that. Orange County, you have your very own P.I. in disguise, Cameron Jackson, hey, finding I have, out the facts. No, but I have Stephen Smith to thank for that. Stephen yeah. Smith was the one who connected all that together over his website, IrvineTadler.com. He keeps track of all this stuff uh, that happens here in Irvine. Amazing work done by Stephen on that. But you see where this comes from. Anyway, uh, the bottom line is this is the T. Boone Pickens Law. Uh, it was on NPR the other day. And, uh, yes, I have to say I called into a radio show and I I brought up that T. Boone Pickens was a part of this and the guy on the other end of the line who was for this was like uh, yes, I do work for T. Boone Pickens. <laughs> Classic. All right. Well, w- w- two things here. Let me just... Uh, first, uh, I was taught to never trust anyone that goes by their first initial middle name. It never works out well for anyone. So T. Boone, I, you know, when who you're hiding your first name... Who are the name, others? Uh, there's just, we, we can go through a lot of... Like, uh, well, I wouldn't say that about R. Scott Moxley, though. Uh, I don't know. He's, he might be like the opposite he, mirror image or something he, like that. He, he's the outlier? Yeah. Okay, now, let good. me just really quick read you this. Proposition 10 would take nearly $10 billion of your tax dollars. So, once again, we can't spend money. We're broke. We're broke as anything uh, in this state. We can't spend more money on this type of stuff. But anyways, we'll take $10 billion of your tax dollars, primarily to subsidize trucks and large vehicles, so that they can run on natural gas sold by... Sold by, you guessed it, companies like the one owned by T. Boone Pickens. This is just an inside, incestuous thing where they can toss around our tax dollars. And you know what? Everyone knows right now the catchphrase is green, 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 green. Don't fall for it, guys. We can do it on our own. You know, you have to you have to vote with your wallet. You have to vote with what you buy. If you want to buy a natural gas car, if you want to buy hybrid, do it yourself. But don't use tax dollars to make it 
easy, cheaper for other people and it's, to do and it. And the bottom line is T. Boone Pickens wrote this bill. He put the, he spent the $3 million needed to get this bill on right. or this proposition on here, and it's going to benefit him. Right. It's not going to benefit the majority of us. T. Boone's be Pickens your wallets. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. T. Boone. Uh, so anyway, I that's a resounding no. No. Uh, no. All the way around on that one. Last two in the roundup here. We're doing great, Manoj. Yeah. This is the Redistricting Initiative Constitutional Amendment and Statute. Now, this one, basically, it's very confusing, and people are having a hard time understanding what this <laughs> one is about. But essentially, what's happened now in this state is it's ungovernable. Everybody's got a safe seat in this state. The right. legislature, who is Democratic-controlled, has rewritten, redrawn all the boundaries of the districts so that they're safe seats. Nobody's ever going to get removed from their seat in California. That's why we have the crap legislature, yeah. in my opinion, that we have. That's why you have a $15 billion deficit. Right. And uh, I've said this many times on the show. I am all in favor of getting rid of term limits if you rewrite the district lines. Right. And so, because that would make the that would make uh, the politicians accountable. Mm-hmm. They would actually have to do the right thing. Right. They wouldn't have to worry about losing their seat from a term limit. Mm-hmm. I think it would also kill some of this uh, moving up the ladder stuff that we see a lot of these politicians doing. Right. And and redistricting would mean that. We'd have a little more um, balance. Right. All right. So, Manoj. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, there's The opponents of this are basically your safe seat, uh, you know, uh, exactly. uh, politicians. And they're trying to say, oh, it's confusing. It's not confusing. The whole government's confusing. If you've seen anything that happens <laughs> in the government, it's like a 10-page, uh, you know, uh, like flow chart. So don't get – this is actually pretty darn simple. They just want to confuse you on it. It's already confusing with, you know, you have these nonpartisan judges and stuff like that. Uh, it looks good to me. And as Cameron said, the whole – way our system works is that you have to you have to fight for your job and uh, so do politicians and it has to be uh, competitive and right now it's not people get their jobs back year after year and that's why crappy things happen because they know they can do whatever they want and they're going to get their job back and this simply just tosses up a little bit it's going to make more competitive seats and that is good for us Californians and we do have a little bit of time it's very simple how it works you've got California registered voters they go into an applicant pool there's 60 applicants they pick 20 Democrats 20 Republicans and 20 others right then the legislative leaders can strike some of the applicants if they <laughs> don't like them and then the state auditor randomly draws the first eight commissioners from the remaining names. Then right. There's eight commissioners. Of those, we've got three Democrats, two Republicans, or sorry, three Republicans and two others. Mm-hmm. These commissioners select the remaining six. So basically you come down and you've got five Democrats, five Republicans, and four others, and then they come up and they are the ones, and they have uh, caveats on these people. They cannot have been a political candidate for any state or federal office. They can't have been a lobbyist, and they can't have contributed 2,000 or more in any year to a political candidate. Right. And that's great because that weeds out a lot of a people. A lot of that people. That weeds out a lot of people. So, um, and you really have a chance of getting Joe Ma, Kettle, Pa, whatever, you know, the uh, average uh, Joe Crap the Ragman right. who could be on the on the panel. Right. And there's there's a lot of good safeguards in this. Like for another one, it's like applicants could not have changed their political affiliation in the last five years. So, you know, so you don't get someone jumping ship to be like, oh, I'm a Democrat. But really, you know, they just kind of four years before they switched That's over. Right. So it's good, guys. It's good. It's better for us when we can basically talk 
toss out bad and we need legislators. To, we, and we need to shake it up. It's, right. uh, the status quo is not working. Look at the mess that we are in. Right. Look at the financial mess that we are in right now in this state. It's out of control. And the state is ungovernable. It's, right. it's just out of just it's, it's not worth it. And it doesn't look like it's going to cost all that all that much. I mean, we already have to pay for a census and redistricting and all that stuff. So it looks uh, pretty much well, washed. And I think it's a one time thing. Every 10 years. Every time the census comes around, you have to redistrict. So Right, but I'm, so once every 10 years, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. It, it's for a good cause. Yeah. Now, the last one here. Uh, so, yes on that for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, rounding up here, the last proposition, Prop 12. We've got a full plate this year for our 2008 general election. This is the Veterans Bond Act of 2008. Minoj, okay. what's this all about? Well, this is basically, um, this has been done for uh for a long time, uh, you know, since 1921, uh, voters have approved a total of $8.4 billion of general fund obligation sales to finance veteran homes. And this is basically a, one of those patriotic measures where uh, our guys that have gone off and fought, uh, when they come back home, a lot of times things are tough for them. And when you kind of get out of the services, it's hard to get back on your feet. And this is kind of one of those things where uh, State of California Veteran Affairs um, is kind of saying uh, they're going to provide uh, kind of these low uh, interest home loans and they're going to be paid back. Uh, there is some cost associated with, uh, I think the subsidy of the loans being given to them. But bottom line is, uh, it's helping these guys get loans and they're going to get houses and they're going to pay them back. And looking at the past programs, uh, a great majority, uh, a great majority of them pay them all back. So it costs the state a little, uh, it was passed in the Senate, uh, by, uh, you know, unanimously and has passed in the assembly unanimously. So, uh, all the Democrats, all the Republicans in the state legislature have approved this and it ended up on the ballot for you guys. Uh, it does cost a little bit of money, but I think this is one of those where, um, they don't get enough help. Uh, this doesn't end up on the ballot all too often, and they're going to pay it back. And it kind of seems like uh, it's something that uh, the, the state, the country should do for the veterans. All right. I'm completely opposite on you on this one. Yeah. Uh, once again, I think this is going to cost us way too much money. It's money that we don't have. Um, you know, I appreciate all the work that the veterans have done uh, for this country. Right. But similarly on how I wanted to become a cop, sure. um, nobody forced them to mm-hmm. become a veteran. No, you're right. um, and I think that... You know, they should get, there's already enough stuff out there, veterans loans. I know that there have been federal veterans loans where they get just an outrageously low rate, and they only have to put down like $5,000 or something. It's very low, the amount that they have to put down in the house. Right. Um, I think this is a federal issue. The state should be staying out of this. Uh, The feds want to give these guys a break. More power to them. But, you know, we don't need to be uh, funding this type of thing. Like I said, I do appreciate all the work the veterans have done for us. Um, Fair enough. Hoorah. Yeah. So uh, there we go. We've got about two minutes left. Uh, you know, there's Measure J in the county Manoj, right. that basically says that if the supervisors want to raise the retirement rates for the members of uh, the people who work for the county, right. it has to go to vote. Right. There's no opposition to it. Right. And, and essentially, I think we all think that's pretty good policy. Right. I think that's great. Uh, yes on Jay. Just one more time. You know, they can't be uh, spitting out, uh, you know, these golden-lined, uh, yes. you know, uh, retirement packages for people that drove a bus for, you know, 20 years. Thank you for your service for driving the bus. But the rest of us have to, you know, invest on our own retirement. Right. As right. should everyone else. Right. And they actually do it up in San Francisco, and they've got a balanced uh, retirement budget up there. Oh, go figure. You would think San Francisco would be the opposite. Uh, And then the last one, the last two are R and S here in Irvine. And you hit those up. Yeah, R and S. R is basically uh, for Great Park funding. Uh, No on R. Uh, Let's let you know they need to flounder on that one. Let's (laughs) let's let's 
let's get rid of that. And S is the secrecy ordinance. This is basically so Larry Agron can hide uh, more information, hide more of his activities. Um, he's hiding it under the, he's saying it's to protect your families, protect uh, uh, your kids uh, from getting, having pedophiles get their email addresses. Right. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> uh, don't let Larry Agron uh, lie to you and scare to you that way. Uh, it, it, There's already just, laws that protect it, your privacy. Exactly. California and this is basically has, from what Cameron told me. Yeah. It's just a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a little personal political uh, ploy Vendetta, to yes. protect some of the things he's trying to do in Irvine. has nothing to do with you. And, uh, you know, you'll play right into it if you vote yes on it. Yeah. So no on R, no on S. You can go to nosecrecyordinance.com to check that out. Also go to the irvinetadler.com to check out uh, more information on those. Uh, Manoj, thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you here in studio again. Thank you so much for having me. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Cameron Jackson. This has been the OC Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you again next week. Have a great day.